Are you tired of ticket fees? Pay the price for your ticket that is advertised and not a penny more. Go to TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Fantastic prices on all sports and concert tickets. Guaranteed seats, no fees. TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Tech Hall. Good evening, Mr. Haltech. How are you, sir? Aaron, it's been a a fun week. Uh, The pads finally went on down at Hallis Hall, and we've got a lot to talk about uh, this evening. Uh, We've had some uh, injury bugs. We've had some position battles. Uh, We have no idea who's going to be where in the stands or if there's going to be anybody in the stands in the league this year. And uh, we thought there would be uh, one person that uh, could, could kind of help us navigate through all of this. Uh, our our good friend from BearReport.com, Zach Pearson. Good evening, Zach. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Thanks for uh, having me on again. Always a pleasure. It's been, uh, yeah, it's been a crazy uh, last uh, few weeks now that the camp opened and, you know, we had some walkthroughs and uh, now the pads went on. We had two days of uh, workouts and then they took a day off today. Uh, Bill uh, Bill Laser was uh, interviewed. Uh, I think it was earlier today. He had some interesting things to say about uh, the passing game and the, how the running game is maturing, even though it's only been two days in pads. And there's been a couple of guys uh, on the team that have made some uh, made some impacts. So uh, it's been a it's been a fun week, hasn't it? Yeah, I'm just kind of glad to be back out there and that uh, they're actually doing on-the-field workout stuff rather than, you know, just their normal walkthroughs and training. Uh, I mean, yeah, we're we're about three weeks away, just over three weeks away until the start of football, so it's going to hit us pretty quick here. Absolutely. So what do we've got? Three weeks from tomorrow night is yep. uh, the home opener or the season opener against when Kansas City, who is Kansas City playing to open the season? I hate to put you on the spot. Uh, Houston should be Houston. That yeah. should be a that, that could be a it'll be a hell of a game. I think it'll be interesting to see what uh, Deshaun Watson can do without DeAndre Hopkins. And of course, Kansas City uh, just continues to to bolster their offensive weapons. So uh, this should be a fun game. Yeah, uh, bet the over. If you're a betting man, bet the over in that game. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder how that's going to be. I mean, I think I think that uh, defenses, as they do normally in the beginning of the year, are going to have the advantage as offenses have had such little time to practice together. Um, so I would, <clears throat> I agree with you there because of those two teams, they're going to score a lot. But you know, I look at uh, the Chiefs. I think will probably be farther along offensively than the Texans just because, you know, as you said, there's been so much turnover with uh, their receiving core and Deshaun, you know, is going to have to, you know, get them up to speed. 
So it's it's unbelievable to say that, that we're that close. I mean, it, I had no idea what time of year or day of the week it was really anyway, but even less so now because it feels so weird for for camp to be going on. And normally we would have preseason games right now. And um, it's just been truly bizarre, uh, but it's a great distraction. And, uh, you know, there's certainly a lot of exciting things going on up there. So of course we wanted to have you on since you're uh, got a front row seat. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, yeah, we'd be what, I think this would be the third, second, third preseason game, uh, mm-hmm. probably second the preseason game in a normal off season, but obviously this is not a normal off season. So, yeah. So next Thursday or Saturday or whenever it would have been, they would have been playing the uh, 49ers at home in what would have been the third uh, quote unquote dress rehearsal preseason game. So, um, you know, Bill Lazor uh, earlier today said it, said it best. He said, uh, we've got no time to uh, to mess around, we've we've got to get it. We got to hit the ground running. We got to hit it hard, and every single practice matters. So, uh, a lot of things uh, are a lot of things are going on, Zach. Um, but unfortunately, the first thing we need to talk about is uh, we had a major blow to the sec- secondary. Tell us about it. Yeah. So, um, former first round pick of the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, Artie Burns, suffered a was a torn ACL in his left knee and it's pretty much done for the year. And it's kind of interesting because, you know, when they signed Burns to that one year deal, it was kind of more of a depth move. Um, on Monday, they had him with the first team defense, but I think that was more of a, okay, we know we have in Kevin Tolliver, Jalen Johnson's kind of still, you know, taking it easy with that shoulder surgery he had in the off season. Maybe let's give Burns the, uh, the the first team reps and see what he can do. And, you know, then Tuesday, a day later, he goes down with the injury. And I don't think Burns is going to start. I still think it's going to be Tolliver at first and eventually Johnson. But now you're looking at, you know, a position that lost Trey Roberson over the over the offseason due to like a training injury. And now your other corner, who's in the competition, Artie Burns, is out. So you're kind of pretty much down to Johnson, um, who's, who's still dealing with that shoulder, Tolliver, and then you have uh, Kendall Vilder and Duke Shelley. The thing that you know we should keep in mind here is if the Bears absolutely have to, they will move Buster Screen to the outside. He has played in the outside before, and he was actually asked about it back in, I believe it was June we talked to him, and he said, yeah, I'm comfortable. If they want to move me to the outside, move me to the outside. Uh, I can play it. Now that would probably require, you know, someone like Duke Shelley to have a kind of breakout camp at nickel um, or possibly Tolliver to have a really bad camp or, or Johnson have a bad camp, but still an option out there. But yeah, now they're, they're depth at uh, defensive back got a little thinner with uh, the injury. I think what you, I was going to say, I think what you said is, is, uh, is absolutely true that, Artie Burns was not expected to start. I kind of had him as a fringe uh, roster, you know, guy. I mean, you know, obviously he was a former first-round pick and all that, but it was a shock, I think, for a lot of people to see him out there with the ones. But I think just like you said, you know, in the truncated camp, they got to see what they have and then go from there. Um, 
You know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, obviously it's so hard for us because we're not getting anything in, out of camp, and you might be able to answer this, but it looked like in a, in a highlight they showed of Ted Ginn um, catching a touchdown that, that uh, Vilder was covering him, and I don't know if it was just a one-on-one drill or what it was, but, it, you know, it was interesting to have Vilder covering Ginn just because Ginn's typically an outside receiver, so maybe Vilder's getting a look at the outside as well. <clears throat> and obviously, I don't know anything about Mike. Michael Joseph or Xavier Crawford, um, who are two more cornerbacks that they have on the roster. Uh, but I also mentioned that I think DeAndre Houston Carson could could move over there in the pinch, Sherrick. So it's kind of funny, like Schefter tweeted it, made this tweet when the injury happened. The Bears are now counting on Jalen Johnson to start at cornerback due to the injury of Artie Burns. And I was like, okay, Schefter, like clearly you don't know the depth chart, and that's fine, but a lot of people are acting like the Bears just lost their starting cornerback, and I just, I don't, that's not remotely true. So it was kind of weird how that unfolded, um, you know, just a little mini Twitter panic <laughs> as usual. Yeah, that was kind of odd because I, I saw that tweet, and I was thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, well, the Schefter wasn't at practice uh, Monday or Tuesday, so, you know, maybe he's just speculating that he saw that Burns was with the ones on Monday. So, yeah, that was kind of odd. But I, I think, you know, what's going on, and you're going to see a lot of this throughout camp. Uh, I forgot the coach that said it to him. It might have been Laser. I think maybe Filippo. They are pretty much interchanging um, players sometimes every snap. Like, mm-hmm. so you'll see a player with a first team. Um, on one snap, and then a, a second team player will come in, and that's simply to maximize as many reps as they can with these players because they still have very limited time. It's not like they can go out there and practice for eight hours a day. I mean, right. your practices are, are, are limited to under two hours, two and a half anyway. So, yeah, they're going to be interchanging a lot of guys, um, maybe kind of rotating them in. And, and another guy to kind of keep an eye on, I don't think he'll be a big impact this year. I think they're kind of just grooming them still. Steven Denmark is being considered more of a defensive back cornerback than the safety. He was a safety in college for the one season. I still think people think he's going to be a safety. I don't know if that's the case because he's, he's kind of been getting some reps with the, uh, with the cornerback so far in camp. I got a chance to meet Denmark um, at the 100 year celebration last, uh, what was it last summer, Aaron in June, yeah. I think it was. Yeah. And uh, I was, uh, he's, he's tall. He's, you know, he, he towered yeah. over, he towered over Shelly, uh, who he, they were, they were in and around signing some autographs while I was in line waiting to get an autograph from Devin Hester. And actually Denmark, uh, also gave me his autograph and Shelly wanted to, but he got pulled away by some security people, uh, because, uh, they didn't want him signing autographs except for at the table they were supposed to be at while they were waiting. But uh, but long story short, I was I was surprised at how tall he was, and I was uh, I was I was a little disappointed that you know he never saw the field. He was on he was stuck on the practice squad all year. Yeah, he's a guy they're going to kind of try to, to groom a little bit and give him some time. I, I think last season it was pretty much a red shirt season. I know there really isn't red shirts in the NFL. Uh, but yeah, he was, it was pretty much a red shirt season from, he was going to learn. Um, he's just spent most of his time on the practice squad. He's just still very raw. I mean, he, he's got some tools, but 
but he's got to learn how to adjust and play um, defensive back at the NFL level because, I mean, let's not forget, he played wide receiver for the first three years of his career at uh, Valdosta State. So, yeah, he only played the one year at, at safety. And, you know, even the, tra- you know, the transition from wide receiver to safety is pretty tough, but there's still a little bit of a transition there from safety to defensive back too. There, there's some things you got to do differently. I would keep an eye on him, maybe, you know, grooming him again this season. I, I, I think it'd be worst case scenario if he had to step in and, and fill in for someone. But, you know, as it stands now, I think, I think it's Tolliver's job to lose, but we'll eventually see uh, Jalen out there. Yeah, I mean, I had kind of been in that same boat thinking that Tolliver was going to get the nod just because he had been kind of stuck behind Prince for a, for a minute there. Um, and he had played pretty well when he got the chance. So, um I think they'll be all right. Uh, I was a little bit, and I mean, speaking of death chart, um, you know, I was a, a little bit surprised to see, you know, some of these other guys seemingly. And I mean, again, we're going, maybe you can tell me because you're, you know, you, you have, you have a first front row seat on it, but does it seem like the guys that are, you know, in the highlight videos are also the guys that are really making an impact at camp. And the guys I'm speaking about that seem to be jumping out to me right now are Komet, Jimmy Graham, and Mooney um, all seem to be prominently featured, you know, in these highlight reels that the Bears are putting out. What do you think about those guys and what they're doing? Yeah, I, I've been very, very impressed with uh, the tight end so far. And you know, it, it might not take a lot for some to be impressed just because of how bad they, you know, they really were as a unit last season. But, I mean, they've been pretty much the standouts for me at camp. Jimmy Graham uh, has had a fantastic two days. He definitely won the day overall on Tuesday. He, They do um, they do a thing where they'll do the red zone um, drills. You know, they, they used to do it at training camp in Bourbon A all the time, and it was mm-hmm. one-on-one and it was awesome, you know, and, and they throw it is it's man against man and, and who's going to come down with the ball. And Jamie Graham flat out dominated. And that guy, he is full of so much energy. He'll make a catch. He'll spike it. He'll, you know, he'll, he'll yell. Um, you know, he's got a lot of passion still, even though he's getting up there in age, he's been fantastic. And, and <laughs> I, I didn't really like the signing uh, at first just because of the money. And I didn't really know who um, Ryan Pace was betting or not betting um, uh, bidding against. But so far, I mean, I think, you know, Jimmy Graham has been a standout. And, and you know, he, he's had a couple of declining years. But you look at how Green Bay used him, it really wasn't to his skill set. I mean, the Bears are going to use him as primary pass-catching tight end. They're not going to ask him to block. They have Demetrius Harris in there. They have Cole Komet for that. Uh, so, yeah, Her- or, um, Graham's going to have a, a more favorable role to his skill set. And he can open up some things in the offense. And then you look at uh, Cole Komet. He's going to kind of be like their, uh, he's going to play a little bit of the Y, a little bit of the U, you know, depending on who's in. If Harris is in, he's probably going to be the, the, the receiving tight end. If Graham's in, he's probably going to be the blocking tight end. He's been pretty good so far. He he did have one blunder where he um, committed a false start on Monday. But, I mean, he knew it right away. He put his hand up. He, he essentially knew he made a mistake. And the, the guys kind of got on him. But everything I've heard so far, you know, from Matt Nagy and other sources that he he knows the playbook. He is a very smart guy. Like, he knows the game of football. And, you know, I, I like to say this, you know, players, sometimes it takes, uh, it takes a couple of years for the game to slow down for them. So, you know, for example, Patrick Mahomes, the game probably slowed down for him, you know, within his first 
year of starting. Mitchell Trubisky, I don't know if the game's really actually slowed down for him yet. Cole Komet, it seems like the game has starting to slow down for him. Uh, not fully completely where he's going to be a superstar, but I think he's going to have a very good rookie season. And then the other one was uh, Mooney. Yeah, he's been kind of getting reps with the first and second team. Um, he's kind of still stuck behind Ted Ginn Jr. on the depth chart. And, and I think the role we're going to see Mooney is he'll, he'll have a role this season, but it's going to be Ginn kind of grooming him and, and, and bring him along as kind of that mentor. I thought it was odd. I really didn't see much of Wims or Ridley. Did you see much of them? Yeah, uh, Ridley, I believe he had one of the drops on Monday. They've kind of been interchanging with the first and second teams. Uh, it's just right now it's so hard. You know, a lot of people like to make the, the point of, oh, this guy's with the first team, this guy's with the second team. And that's true. I mean, there's there's some substance to that. But, I mean, you'll see, as I mentioned earlier, you'll see Wims with the first, the second, and probably the third team. It doesn't mean he's a third stringer and working with the third team. It just means they're trying to get these reps in and out. So, yeah, nothing really that stands out for me with Ridley and Wims. I think those are two guys that are essentially fighting for one spot, depending on what they want to do with the rest of the roster. Maybe they both make it, but I think they're kind of seeing it as, hey, we got one spot between us possibly. Uh, we got to kind of make the most of it. But so far like, through the two practices, I haven't seen you know, anything spectacular from them and and uh, as far as Wims goes, I, I think he's being challenged big time by his coaches, especially uh, Mike Fury. These tight ends we have are enormous. I mean, I knew that Jimmy Graham is big and Demetrius Harris I've never seen. Um, he's enormous. Cole Komet's not small. I mean, we got we went from, you know, non-existent tight ends to like, you know, like a, just a whole fleet of them now. Huh? That's, that sounds, I mean, that's, that's exciting. Um, but it sort of does seem like they're almost treating it as, you know, instead of like first team, second team, like one and one a, the way, you know, I've read how they're even shuffling Mitch and Foles in and out. Is that, I mean, I imagine that's hard to keep track of. I mean, when I was at camp at Bourbon, a, it's hard to keep track of, you know, who goes in and who goes out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it's definitely. Hey, it, go ahead, Zach. Oh, no, I was just going to, yeah, it's definitely, it's, it's very hard to keep track of sometimes. Yeah, when you take a look at the at the roster, you know, you got Jimmy Graham. I was, I was under the impression that uh, Harris was going to be the big guy because he's the blocking, quote, unquote, the blocking tight end. Yeah, but Jimmy Graham's got 35 pounds on Demetrius Harris. Harris is lined up at 6'7", 230. Jimmy Graham is 6'7", 265. Cole Komet is 6'6", and 262. So you, you got big, stout bodies uh, in Komet and Graham. And yeah. if if they can dominate the middle of the field the way Graham is, has done, and, and uh, Komet apparently was just awesome in the red zone, yeah, the one thing that this offense desperately needs, you got to have production from the tight end spot for this offense to really go. You, you look at Philadelphia, and you look at uh, you look at, at Kansas City, and you look at those tight ends, uh, and you take a look at what didn't happen with the tight end position last year, and you know you can you can also look at the the blocking and and the, the missed throws and the the uh, the the arm weaknesses that, that people are talking about now for Mitch. And you can see why this offense 
had such a staggering downfall from the year before. Yeah, the tight end position is, is extremely important in this offense. And I like to look at it this way. You know, you look Travis Kelsey, um, George Kittle, Zach Ertz, those are your top tight ends. And those are in offensive systems that are very similar to the Bears, um, especially with Kansas City and Philadelphia, essentially the same system with Andy Reid. The Bears, you know, you'd love to have George Kittle. You'd love to have Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, obviously. The Bears, you know, they could take this approach where they don't need to have that one guy when they can have three guys that maybe produce as one or two star players. And that's where it's going to be interesting to see, um, you know, when when the season does roll around, are they going to use more 12 personnel on the field with, with two tight ends? And I fully expect them to roll a lot of that out. They've been near the bottom of the league in 12 personnel usage in 2018 and 2019. But now when you have, you know, Jimmy Graham as your primary receiving tight end and you have Demetrius Harris as your run blocking tight end and kind of the the in between with Cole Komet, I think the options are going to be endless for Matt Nagy and uh, they just got to get more production from that position. They need someone that can stretch the field. They need someone that that's essentially a big target in the red zone and and guys that can make plays at that position. It's going to open up a lot more for that offense if they get that. Well, yeah, absolutely. Thing, I was just so, saying the other thing too is that they, they they've for such a long time had no um, you know outlet on third down. You know, it's like every third down, it's it's either Mitch is forcing it to Robinson or he's forcing it to Tariq, and it's because they haven't had a tight end, you know, to fill that role. And I think Tariq has suffered. Um, the other big thing that people are talking about out of camp uh, is Corderell Patterson taking the reps at the running back position. Um, we saw a little video of it as well. And, of course, um, you know, people have been talking about this on Twitter recently that that he should uh, get more time at running back. And I, and I think that's fine as long as they use it, use some plays that – you know, are well disguised or, or well sequenced because I think it, there were so many times the future. I mean, he got 19 carries last year. I felt like all of them that weren't jet sweeps were completely telegraphed. Like I keep thinking of that fourth down, you know, where everybody in the building knew that he was going to run, including the defense and James Daniels got trucked and it was all over. Like, you know, I, I want to see it, but, what are you seeing, Zach? And then the other thing I want to ask is, I don't know that any of this bodes particularly well for Tariq Cohen because they're, you know, they're they're going to run out of footballs. Yeah, I was actually, you know, thinking of Cohen when they brought in Artavius Pierce because mm-hmm. he's kind of a guy with a, a the similar skill set where he can catch passes out of the backfield. But now that Patterson is getting reps back there, it's going to be interesting to see what Matt Nagy does because. I agree 100%. You were right. I mean, last season when Patterson was in the backfield, it was 95% of the time they, the ball was going to him and the defenses knew that and could kind of key in on him. Now, mm-hmm. it did work on a couple of plays. He had the long, uh, a long pitch in Denver. And he had one more, I think, towards the end of the season. Right. I don't know if it was Dallas or Detroit. Mm-hmm. But it was Dallas. Dallas, yeah. And, and when he was in the game, they just kind of knew. And now, you know, you have another weapon. He's fast. He is a guy that when he gets in the open field, he's a burner. However, he's still got to work on some things. He's not a natural running back, so he kind of runs a little high. Um, mm-hmm. 
Oh, he's he's tall and yeah. huge and doesn't have like a running back build. You exactly. Know? Yeah, and so he's got to work on that. But so far, I mean, he sounds excited. He told us, you know, I'm I'm in that running back room and hey, I'm a veteran. I've been in this league, you know, a, a long time now. I think eight nine years. Um, I, I kind of know some things, but when I'm in that running back room, you know, I'm asking uh, David Montgomery, I'm asking Tariq Cohen, you know, things about the running back position. And, yeah. I, and, and Ryan Pace can say, man, we feel good about our running back spot. And this is all before we knew Patterson was kind of making a small transition over there. I, I, I still think the running back depth, it's better now with Patterson back there, but it's still a concern. If, if David Montgomery goes down, I mean, who's your who's your workhorse? Who's your lead back? It, it's not Trey Cohen. Cohen is more of that gadget back that that could do things on third down or maybe some first down action. But he's not a guy that's going to carry it, you know, all no. 20 times a game, 15 times a game. No. And I don't think Patterson's that guy either. So I'll no. be curious. Well, to and then it. what happens if Patterson gets injured playing running back, and then there's our best gunner and our kickoff return guy, which isn't that important, but you know. It, Maybe twice a year, he's going to have a, a game-changing kickoff return. Yeah, he's so, going to set you up in good field position. It's like I want, you know, like I like them using him more. I'm all for that. But, it, you know, it's like the guy's been around a while, and everybody's had the exact same experience with him. The Raiders use him a lot more, you know, Um and it didn't really amount to much. And, you know, everybody wants to point to this Patriot year where he had 42 carries, you know, and most of them were in one game when they literally were down to nobody else at running back. And, and I think it was like a Thursday or a Monday game or something, because everybody seems to remember it. I remember watching it and being like, oh, my gosh. Like, yeah, it was a primetime game. Yeah, he looks like Marshawn Lynch out there, you know, like a tall Marshawn Lynch, you know, or something. And so everybody has this burned in their brain. But it's like, I just hope that, you know, it's not going to be like another like weird naggy gadget project. You know, they had that thing about Eddie Jackson supposedly taking reps at wide receiver. And then, you know, Nagy was like, yep, just pencil him in there, you know, as a joke or whatever. But it's like, you know, I, I like some of this stuff, but at the same time, you know, I still, I still want to know what this damn offense is going to be. So, <laughs> you know, if they are going to do Cordero Patterson, then they better start, you know, and that's the other talk is everybody's been like, okay, are they going to start running outside zone? You know, or do they have a real run scheme coming together? It's, it's just remains to be seen. You know, that's a good point, uh, Aaron. In fact, uh, when Bill Lazor was, was uh, in doing his, his zoom, uh, it was whether it was yesterday or today. I think it was today because um, he mentioned that, and he says we've got to we've got to try all these different run options to see if we have the right personnel running it and if it works for for our offense. So uh, it, you know it's it's a work in progress, and we've got such limited time. We've got what 24 days before the beginning of the season. Uh, it's great to see. Uh, Cordero Patterson it, running back because as you so well pointed out just a few minutes ago, it, when he was in the in the backfield, everybody knew who was getting the ball. You know, and it started with the the uh, the what was it the that was the fourth down play you were talking about was against Green Bay and he was stuck yeah. with a three yard loss, yeah, and and it just it literally ballooned from there. So anytime Patterson was was in the, the offensive backfield, we all knew who was getting the ball. So 
you got to put him in there and run run your offense regardless of of uh, if it's a pass play or not. Well, you know, he, might, he might be great at, at a screen pass too. So yeah, uh, he needs you, to get. You got to run your offense. He's but he needs to get pitched the ball, you know, like in space. He needs to get little 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 wide receiver screen, you know, a little sprint out pitch, maybe a, a, a you know a reverse. But I kind of hate those plays. But when when you see it working, you know, he's got a tight end split out and everybody blocking, and he's got a really clear lane, and he gets up ahead of steam. Like this herky jerky RPO run is not his game, you know, no. and that, and that that. I mean, that play, I can still remember that feeling in my stomach when he lined up at single tailback on fourth down and they were in that like goal line formation and they weren't on the goal line. And we were just sitting there like, what are they doing? Like, this is not going to work. And like everybody in the stadium knew that this play was horrible and they ran it and it just got stuffed and it was like, Oh my God. Like, like, it would have been, it would have been nice to see him do a little uh, pass, uh, a dump pass into the middle of the field to a tight end the way Derek Henry did in the playoffs. Thank you. But, uh, but uh, yeah, you know, we could, we, boy, we could probably still talk about Cordero Patterson, the tight ends, and, and just do a whole show on that. But, right. you know, well, since we're, we're talking, let's talk a little bit about position battles. And it was interesting to hear that uh, Ifedi is got the nod as the starting right guard going into uh, day one and day two of camp. Zach, what did you see? Yeah, so, I mean, I fully expect him to be the starter. I, I think he's got the experience there. Uh, and then he got a ring endorsement today from uh, Juan Castile when we talked to him. You know, the offensive line, it, it that's one position where it's kind of hard to judge in training camp just because, you know, the, the pass rushers aren't really fully pass rushing. And, they're, and I mean, they're trying and, and they're doing what they do, but it's not really full speed just yet. So when you see the offensive line, you know, I like to put it this way, if – if Khalil Mack in practice is, is is gets stopped and you know Charles Leno or Bobby Massey kind of stops him, it's going to be oh well, why didn't Khalil Mack get there? You know he's got to be better than that. It's not oh Charles Leno or Bobby Massey did a good job. So the the offensive line is going to be interesting, and I think that hole there at right guard it's got to be answered. Uh, if it sounds like it's going to be a Fetty, he's got to step up, and he had you know as a former first round pick out of uh, out of Texas A and M. Going out of that draft, I mean, a lot of people thought of him as a guard, and he pretty much worked everywhere on the Seattle Seahawks offensive line. Can never really stick with any consistency. Maybe a change of scenery is needed, and maybe that change of scenery in Chicago is what can, you know, maybe boost his career a little bit. I think he's probably the better option, the safer option right now than Rashad Coward. Coward had kind of had his chance last year to prove that he should be the starter, and they. They really don't need to bring in any competition, and, and he kind of failed at doing so. So I think Fetty will be the safe bet right now, but, I mean, it could be another revolving door at that position. It's been a struggle ever since Kyle Long, you know, has, has dealt with injuries. I read that Fetty was, I mean, at least Castillo supposedly said Fetty was handling Akeem Hicks pretty well, which I have a hard time believing. But, um, you know, what, did you, what do, you, do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, still, that's still tough to tell. I mean, Akeem mm-hmm. is, is going to go 100% every time. But it's right. not, I mean, like, they can't tackle. So, like, they can get pressure in the backfield, but it's like they can't tackle right now. So, 
I don't know if it's it's not really full full go just yet. Mm-hmm. There's some hitting. There's not a lot, but and, and I'm not trying to take away from Akeem Hicks because you know he is he is a guy that's going to go 100% every single right. time. Right. So yeah, but I, I mean, Fetty's been doing pretty solid. It's just it, it's very hard to tell those first two days. I think he's got to kind of put it together and be consistent here over this next week or so. Right. You've well, got, go ahead, Mike. Yeah. You, you well, you've you've got you've got Daniels. You got you got Cody, you got Leno, you got Massey. They're they're pretty much entrenched as the uh, the four starters. And like you said, Zach, we've you, we've got to fill that right guard, and we've got to fill it right. And then you've got you know a couple of draft choices, uh, you know, late as it were. But you got a couple of draft choices that provide some some depth. Uh, and you you still have I, I think Richard Richard Coward is headed towards the practice squad. Uh, because you can bring an offensive lineman up from the practice squad every game day. So I think you might see that happen. But, um, you know, when when Bill Lazor was uh, interviewed earlier today, uh, he said that the uh, day one, nah, not so good. But uh, but in day two, the running game got better, which is something that we all needed to see and hear. Yeah, the the running game is definitely it's got to get better, and it, it's going to take a collaborative effort. Juan Castillo said, you know, we're we're working with the with the running backs. They're coming over, and, and we're working on assignments and things like that for the run game. Um, that's going to be the main focus. The offensive line has to play better, and the run game has to get going. And those two things kind of work hand in hand. Uh, they both got to be better this season after what we saw last year. Yeah, absolutely. We're joined tonight by Zach Pearson from BearReport.com. Uh, Zach, uh, let's kind of switch gears now to the defensive side of the ball, where there's a couple of critical position battles going on in the secondary. So let's start with uh, with cornerback. Obviously, with the with the injury to Artie, you you've got uh, you know you got your your you know Jalen, uh, and you've got Tolliver. Uh, you already said earlier that you think Tolliver's going to get the nod, but I really like this kid, Jalen. He says all the right things, and he brings kind of a you know, a cockiness to to that position that, quite frankly, we really haven't seen in a long time in Chicago. Yeah, and, the, and I like I like Jalen's skill set. I think he's going to turn out to be a really good corner. I just think my worry right now is, you know, listening to Chuck Pagano. It sounds like they're going to kind of bring him along at his own pace. And, I mean, there's just not much time right now to, to, to kind of deal with that and handle that. Uh, and that's obviously nothing, you know, against Jalen or anything. It's just the the situation where he's still battling that that offseason shoulder surgery, the, the injury he suffered last year. Um, and, and now he's got to kind of, you know, wait for – until he's fully cleared and can kind of go full speed because he's not there just yet. So I think eventually, um, I, uh, eventually Jalen will be the starter. I think it'll probably happen, you know, sometime this season, but I, I'd be right now as it stands, I'd be a little shocked if we didn't see Tolliver uh, lining up week one opposite of Kyle Fuller. If we see defensive rookie of the year in Jalen, the uh, defensive player of the year in Khalil Mack, and the comeback player of the year in Akeem Hicks, I think we'll have a pretty good defense. <laughs> yeah, I think that's uh, that sets the table for damn good defense. Yeah. 
So the other position battle, let's talk about that. That's obviously the starting safety opposite Eddie Jackson. Yeah, um, that's another interesting one because going into camp, I think a lot of people, including myself, thought maybe, you know, Tayshawn Gibson was was going to run away with it, and it's pretty much his. But, I mean, now as we stand here two days through camp, through the full, you know, padded, non-walkthrough stuff, I mean, Deion Bush has been getting a lot of reps with the first team, and, and what I've been hearing listening to Chuck Pagano and, and Sean Desai, the, the safeties coach, they really like what they have in Deion Bush. And, I mean, I, I don't know. I think of, I, I still think Gibson's probably the right starter, um, you know, to be out there, but I, I, I would not be shocked if, if Deion Bush isn't the starter, is the starter, uh, come week one, I just Chuck Pagano speaks so highly of him. He knows the defense. He's been in the system. My only thing is, is he's not really a, a true strong safety, and that's kind of what the Bears, you know, need opposite of Eddie Jackson. They they need that that strong safety to be able to play in the run and, and stack the box. And I mean, is Deion Bush going to go up there and you know and tackle a big running back? I I, I don't know. Maybe. Um, I, it's going to be very interesting to see because, you know, the Bush got the, the first string reps these past two days. Gibson's got a couple first string reps um, through practices. But I think this next week, week and a half will certainly tell us what we need to know. Who's getting those the majority of those reps? Is it Bush? Is it Gibson? Another thing to think of is, you know, the, the safeties nowadays, they're kind of interchangeable. And I know it's been kind of a hot topic where the Bears really want a, or they need a a big strong safety that could play the run opposite of Eddie Jackson, let Eddie Jackson play free safety. Right now, the way it seems is that it, it doesn't matter. They're going to be interchangeable. If it's Bush or Gibson, they're going to be interchangeable with Jackson. Jackson might have to play up against the box. He might have to become a more complete safety and work the strong safety and free safety position. It, it's kind of odd to hear, but I think that's kind of be the plan moving forward with this position. Well, when you look at when you look at the safeties. Yeah, they're almost clones. Yes. So, Stephen Denmark, six foot two. Uh, Tayshawn, six foot one. DeAndre Houston, six foot. Eddie Jackson, six foot. Jalen Johnson at cornerback, six foot. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting. You know, this this the shortest guy is actually Shelley at five foot eight on that entire list of defensive backs. So, you know, they're they're all very similar in size and stature. So, you know, as, as we said earlier, you know, it, they could be playing multiple positions each and every time out there. Go ahead. Right. Well, the one thing Pagano had said earlier in his, some of his first pressers, when he was asked, I think it was Biggs asked him, you know, do you think that you have a player who's going to allow Eddie to, to play in the post, you know, to be, to be that single high safety. And, and Pagano said, you know, that, and I don't know if he's just saying this cause they don't have the personnel and whatever, but he said they don't want him to be in that all the time that it, that it gives them, you know, gives the defense away. doesn't allow them to disguise things the, the way that they would like. And personally, I mean, I think that, you know, and I, I may have said this before, but I think that the whole Eddie Jackson, you know, having a down year thing is just was just overblown. Um, I think he became a better safety last year because he was forced to make 
more tackles, and he did come up and cover the run, and he played pretty well. He just didn't get the bounces and didn't get the interceptions, you know, um, and and then that was mainly because the defense just didn't get the pass rush going. Like, I, there's this weird idea that Eddie Jackson had like a down year, and it's, I don't think anything can be further from the truth as far as that goes. But um, I I'm, I would feel great if we had two interchangeable guys that were both good to play next to him because, you know, I think that in 2018 when um, when Eddie went down and we ended up with Amos and Bush, I mean that was kind of tough. You know, um, it, it was definitely like, well, we're certainly missing a huge piece right there. Yeah, and, you know, they've kind of been, since Amos has left, they've kind of been searching for that, you know, that, that strong safety. And, and they brought in Ha Clinton Dix. He was more of a free safety. Gibson's more of a free safety. And, I, and looking at Bush, he's kind of interchangeable. He can probably play both and might be better off suited as, a, as that third safety, maybe in dime packages. But, yeah, they're going to have to have someone next out there next to Eddie Jackson that, that, that can play. And the goal and the hope is, hey, you know, maybe we'll find that guy. Maybe it's Deion Bush. Maybe it's the veteran in Gibson. But, I mean, that's going to be another competition that I'm going to have my eye on over the next week and a half or so. The uh, We talked about this earlier now, kind of switching gears again. But um, Bears rookies making noise, Komet and, and Mooney have uh, really made some some nice grabs. Uh, we talked about the tight end situation with, with Jimmy Graham and Komet really dominating in, in the red zone and in the exuberance that Jimmy Graham is showing by by spiking the ball as, as, after he got the touchdowns. And that kind of hacked off one of the defenders. I think it was Bush. Uh, they got into a little scuffle. Was it Monday? Uh, Tuesday, Tuesday. It was, it was Tuesday, but there was also talk ab- about the other tight ends all making plays from, from Sauber to, uh, to, to Harrison and just about every, they just about named every tight end that the bears have Horstead. They're all making good plays. And so it's actually interesting because last year, early in camp, you know, it was it, it ended up being a precursor to the season, how far that the offense was behind the defense. And this year, we're actually hearing some pretty decent things coming from the offensive side of the ball. What was your take? Yeah, I mean, I still think the two practices, it's, it's kind of tough to, you know, say, oh, maybe the offense is caught up. Um, I mean, Overall, uh, yeah, it looks a little smoother. Um, there's a little more swagger to that offense. I think that's a that's a combination of, of Jimmy Graham bringing, uh, you know, bringing the offense, bringing that swagger to the offense, and also the quarterback battle. I mean, Mitchell Trubisky looks like a leader out there. Uh, he's kind of taken over that role a little bit, and you know, Nick Foles kind of brings that that quiet confidence to him. And I, I just keep going back to it. It's, it's still two practices. I, I haven't seen enough to make me think, oh man, this offense is going to be so much better. That doesn't mean it won't be that won't be better. I just, it's hard to base on, especially when they haven't, they've barely done seven on seven, barely done 11 on 11, but it is starting to pick up a little bit. You can tell that Tuesday practice, it, it started to get not heated, but it, it started to pick up a little and amp up a little more. And it certainly Graham was in, in the middle of that and, and his antics, you know, when he spikes the football and gets up and yells, you know, it's good to see because it, it kind of brings some energy into that offense, which I think was, you know, we, we didn't have it all last season. 
Have they said if there's going to be any um, scrimmages? I know it's been kind of danced around. People have asked, but are they going to have any inter-squad scrimmages that you guys will be able to see? Um, in terms of what they kind of did last year with that night game simulated, uh, mm. as of now, haven't heard anything, but that night game that they simulated last year, that was actually told to us pretty much the night before or the morning mm. of. It was supposed to be a morning practice, and they completely switched it. So, I mean, we don't even get a heads up on that, essentially. Uh, mm. We do, but it's not, you know, not days in advance. I'm guessing right. with no preseason games, I think we're going to see maybe one or two scrimmages, but it's probably going to be end of August, maybe early September. Mm. It would be interesting, and it would be nice to kind of do it on a Sunday uh, and kind of get them prepared for the season so they have a Sunday scrimmage. They 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 do their, their Monday film study, their off day on Tuesday, and then they practice Wednesday, Thursday, have their walkthrough to kind of get that uh, rhythm going for the start of the season. Uh, when they when they play Detroit three weeks from Sunday, so it's it'll be interesting to see, and I hope you're right, Zach, that they do actually have a couple of scrimmages that uh, that kind of sets the tone for the beginning of the season. Uh, the last, obviously, we we haven't talked about one position battle yet, and we all know which one that is. Uh, Mitch Trubisky has uh, gotten a couple of uh, endorsements over the last couple of days. Uh, Zach, tell us about that. Yeah, I thought you were going to get into uh, the long snap. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, the quarterback battle, it's been the big storyline. And it's it's very interesting to see, you know, even other reporters' views on it and, you know, how what we think of it and what's going on compared to, like you said, those endorsements by the coaching staff or even a teammate like uh, Cordell Patterson with Mitchell Trubisky, it, it, I think a lot of things are going to factor in. And I think, you know, the off the field stuff or maybe the intangibles of who's got control of the huddle, um, who's kind of working up the guys, who, who's talking to the guys, who's taking control of everything is going to play a big part. And, you know, listening to on Tuesday it was uh, Cordell Patterson talk about Mitchell Trubisky, and it was he. I mean, the quote I don't think that gets enough kind of credit or, or due is he pretty much said last season I didn't see a leader in Mitchell Trubisky. I see a leader this year in Mitchell Trubisky, and he's definitely changed. And I kind of you know opened up my ears a little bit because when they you know, no one ever questions Mitchell Trubisky as being a teammate. And he's probably one of the nicest guys I've, I've had a chance to talk to. He's always talking to his teammates. He's, he's a great teammate. He's one of the best, you know, teammates in that locker room, I'd say. It's just the play that, that has kind of been the, uh, you know, his, his big bug, bugaboo there. And, you know, listening to Cordell Patterson talk about him and, and Allen Robinson said positive words, Anthony Miller has. You know, Trubisky's got those endorsements there from his teammates. He's busting his butt. He's working hard on the field trying to get to get better. Um, it's just going to come down to can he show it on the field when the time comes. And and, and listening to his teammates, I, I came away a little more impressed, especially this offseason, with what Trubisky's doing, what he's been doing, working with Jeff Christensen, the Q, QB coach, um, you know, trying to be that – 
um, be that leader and kind of take the control of other things. But, you know, you look at Nick Foles too, and, uh, and I think he got some pretty big endorsements today as well from his coaches. Aaron? Yeah, I mean, here's what I think. I think that all of that is great from from Mitch. Um, I, I think one of the things that Nagy said that I really grabbed onto was somebody asked him about the work he had done with mechanics, and Nagy was just like, I don't worry about his arm mechanics. He's never had a problem with his arm mechanics. We're more concerned with footwork. And that's my biggest thing is that we can all get hyped about Mitch throwing seven on sevens again, or, you know, throwing on air, you know, just to one receiver. Um, he, you know, he's a professional quarterback. When you're doing seven on sevens, the quarterback and receiver should complete those about 85% of the time. You know, if you're just running routes, you should complete those about 99% of the time. So we can't get all hyped about, like these highlight videos. And I think that the bears have done a strange job with coverage, you know, uh, as completely, but it's been very odd how they've sort of shown things. A lot of the highlight packages like have who threw the ball, not in the footage, you know, like it's just, it's all this like jump cutty stuff. And, and, and obviously I, I, I knew this, I said this, I, th- I said they were going to play it close to the vest, but it's still frustrating when you're seeing, you know, all these other things. So as far as like Cordero Patterson, who's, you know, I mean, he loves to talk. I agree with you. I think it's an indictment of Mitch last year, and it's also an endorsement of him this year. Um, but the but the one person that I think in this battle that doesn't have to prove anything because he already knows what he's capable of, and so does everybody else, is Nick Foles. So. You know, but unfortunately, what I've heard from Weirer and some of the other people is that neither one of them looked particularly great. Like they're both, they both look okay, and that's like still been my biggest fear is that what we have is two backups. We're, you know, we got two backups battling each other to see who can be competent. <laughs> you know, instead of yeah. somebody really winning the job and saying yes, I am the Bears quarterback. So yeah. it's just like. I agree too. I I um, actually was talking to someone today too as well. Um, watching them in practice, it's not like we're watching. You know, oh man, at least one of them. Oh, one of them's really good. One of them's kind of separate themselves, and, and and one of them looks really sharp. It they both kind of look like backups. Neither one of them have essentially done anything in my eyes to give you know an advantage on any of the days. I, I know like there's some people out there that said, well, Foles one day one and, and Mitch one day two. And okay, that's fine. I, I I could agree on that, but it's like, even when they won the day, they didn't push the needle enough for me personally to be like, okay, he's definitely got the lead. Um, you know, he's taking the next step in this competition, things like that. They look like, like, like we said, they look like, almost backup quarterback. They're, they're, they look okay. They're not out there slinging the football like you want to see them um, uh, doing at this point. And I think that's kind of what Nagy was getting to was, you know, we're going to, it's, it's going to take a little bit. We're going to take, be patient. We're going to let it kind of drag out and, and we'll, we'll make the decision when we have to make the decision. That tells me he might not be that impressed with, with the play on the field. 
so far from his guys, and, and that's a little worrisome. I I, I want to see personally. I want to see you know one of these quarterbacks take a grab of, of this competition and, and 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 take the lead and just come out and and force Nagy to say, okay, this is our starter. He's already won the job. Something like that. Unfortunately, I don't think we're anywhere close to that. One of the things that Bill Lazor was talking about in his uh, um, session on Zoom today was he's looking at three things. He's not looking at arm strength. He's not looking at command of the huddle. He's not looking at leadership. He's looking at three things. Number one, is the timing correct in the play? Number two, was the decision to put the ball where he put the ball the correct decision? And number three, was he accurate? And that's the three things he's looking at, and everything else he said would take care of itself. I thought I thought that was a very interesting comment from Laser. Yeah, and I think, you know, when you look at this competition, it's going to be, you know, the on the field stuff. And like I said, it's going to be the off the field stuff too. And, and I kind of think of, you know, I, I listen to lasers comments and, and I go back to, well, Nick Foles has kind of proved, Hey, I can, I can do this stuff. And, and he's the kind of the veteran that's, you know, pretty much stepped in and, and everyone knows what he can do. And, you know, for Trubisky, you know, he's had some problems with, with, with that accuracy at times. And, and um, he, he struggled with the footwork. He struggled with, the main thing I think he's really struggled with is decision making. Um, excuse me, decision making on you know RPOs and and, the, and, and where to throw the football, and, and you just haven't seen uh, him take that step forward. And you know the the comments we heard today from Laser and uh, uh, Filippo, um, Ragone even had a couple comments uh, on the uh, the quarterback battle. They were, I mean, it was pretty interesting. And I, what I took away, the biggest thing was that, you know, I think in in the connections and when they talk, it kind of sounds like they lean towards Nick Foles. And I think Foles might have the advantage in that area of it. Well, what DeFilippo said, you know, that Foles has this amazing processing and he's like a point guard, you know, it reminded me of, I mean, they Mitch has said himself, I've got to be the point guard. i got to get the ball into the hands of my playmakers. Nagy said the same thing. And Helfrich, you know, said Mitch needs to hit his layups, you know, and things like that. And so, you know, when you hear that about Foles, then you watch some of the stuff with Foles with Philly. He really was excellent at that RPO stuff. It looks so different when he runs it as opposed to when Mitch runs it, you know, it just, it just looks like somebody who's doing it right. And, and, you know, I know that that's what they want and what you're going to, what you hopefully have is, you know, that, that action back of Nick holding the defense at that mesh point, pulling the ball out and throwing up the seam to a tight end. And that can absolutely completely change our offense is that, just having that thing, and that's what the the read and the the naggy offense do is, you know, that deception and then a big strike to a Kelsey, you know, or even eight ten yards, you know. I mean, it could be, you know, just just getting that kind of chunk yardage would change our whole offense. 
Yeah, yeah. and the mate that what he was saying, yeah, essentially hit on the head right there. Is, is they need a point guard in the offense, and and what Foles does so well is he processes everything so quickly, and I don't think we can say that about Mitchell Trubisky. No, we couldn't say it about him last year. That's for sure. <laughs> but, yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely. You, you know, but this is kind of an interesting thing. Um, and it's our last topic before we take a break uh, to hear from our sponsor. Uh, but the Bears really don't have to name a quarterback to, that's going to start in Detroit until game time. You know, and, yeah. and one one of the things that that you know Aaron is is kind of upset about, and uh, so we'll talk about next. I know you can't maybe say too much about it, but the the lack of reporting and the lack of what you guys can see and hear and what's allowed uh, is a lot different this year than than what it was last year. So before we get to you, Zach, I'm gonna I'm gonna let Aaron kind of sound off on this because he's pretty upset about it. Sounds good. Well, I just, I'm, I'm frustrated because I get up every day and I sit on Twitter and I, I look for this news and every other team in the league has like a fancy training camp show just going, you know. I mean, I don't know if you saw the Vikings one, but it was unbelievable. They had a drone flying over the field. They have they have like a full-on anchor desk, and they're sitting there at this desk, and, you know, it's being directed. There's different cameras. It's going around. It's a full-on sports production happening and i have seen so many teams doing this and I, and i'm jealous i'm absolutely horribly jealous that we don't have anything close to that and they teased us up with this 1920 football drive thing and i was just like okay i know what this is going to be it's not going to be a you know hard knocks it's going to be you know, a fluff piece. And that's what it was. And not to say that I didn't enjoy it. Cause I think it was well done. Like their, their media production is very slick and talented. I'm just mad that we don't, and I'm not surprised because this is not unlike pace or the bears, but I'm just mad that we don't have this kind of coverage. And then, you know, obviously the league has certain rules, but then they came out today and, and you can talk about this, Zach, but they said, you know, they're, they're going to be limiting, the reporting of depth chart, basically, you know, and, and who's running with what, you know, and it sounds like with the Bears, maybe it doesn't even matter, but, um, you know, because they're so interchangeable at this point. But I'm just, I just, we want more. We're such a rabid fan base, and I look at the other teams in the league, and they're all doing it. They're all showing everything. They're not afraid. And it's just like we act like it's, you know, they're up there trying to uh, perfect cold fusion and, and nobody can find out our secret formula. Like it's, you know, it's Elon Musk's Tesla bears are up there doing some experiments. And it's, I just, I want to see the damn team, you know, <laughs> that's my rant. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I definitely, I definitely understand. It's, it's, trust me, it's, it's frustrating for me too. Cause you know, I want to be able to report on stuff and like, it's just the policy that they have in place is essentially like no tweeting, nothing during practice. Um, you know, you can watch practice and you know, when you, when you're done, if um, you want to report on something specific, you have to ask coach and the coach has to give you, 
you know, an answer that, you know, you can report on it. And essentially we can't really say, oh, Mitch Trubisky went nine of 10 and Nick Foles went, mm-hmm. you know, six of 10 unless, um, unless Matt Nagy says it. So it's, it's definitely frustrating. And, and yeah, I feel as a fan, I would be very frustrated as well because I mean, you're looking and you got all these teams producing this content and all these teams that are, that are out there and, and they're doing live training camp and you see the reporters, you know, doing you know, live. Oh, this guy caught it over this guy, things mm-hmm. like that. And yeah. And then the bears, it's just extremely limited. And I don't know the exact on what happened, but I do know that I, I mean, they can treat it as a closed practice because there's no fans there. Um, mm-hmm. and, and for whatever reason, you know, they made that decision in, and to be fair, I think it hurts the fans even more that they that they do something like that. Yeah. Interesting, just to say the least. Um, one of the the uh, clips that you know, I think Monday everybody was was uh, commenting about the the throw that Trubisky made to one of the tight ends, uh, and his form looked good and. And everybody was raving about it. And it's like, why are we raving about, I think Aaron said it in a tweet. Why are, why are we raving about a, a pass play with, when there's no pads on or there's no, there's no rush uh, that this, you know, a good quarterback should complete 99 out of a hundred times. That was one. The other one was uh, from Tuesday's practice where again, uh, caught a, a really nice, and, and, and Aaron talked about it earlier in the show, a nice over-the-shoulder grab where uh, where Vildor was covering him, and everybody wants to know who was the quarterback that threw that pass, and it would be funny if it was Tyler Bray. But, but Tyler Bray had some nice highlight throws in these little packages. Yeah, That's what's yeah, funny. <laughs> yeah, you know, in fact, even, even Laser commented how how well he was doing in his in his uh, interview uh, earlier today. So, so Zach, do you know who threw that pass on that touchdown pass? <laughs> uh, to be honest, I wish I did. I don't remember that one. So, uh, yeah, I couldn't tell you. I wish I honestly knew. Um, I have to go back and look through my notes. Yeah. Well, and, then, and then Furry reposted it too, like making a comment about, you know, dragging the feet and whatnot. I even tried to ask him, like, who threw it, coach? Come on. You know, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I did see that. He, like, quote tweeted it or something like that. Yeah. And I was like, all right, tell us who threw it. But it's just, it's, it's you know, I mean, I get it. The strate- strategic aspect of, of holding out on who's the starter, I think, is is obviously important. So it's not surprising <laughs> to me. And I'm not expecting them to give that up or give that away. But, you know, like, just stick a camera in in the end zone and leave the thing on and let us watch, you know, like uh, that's all we want. Like, we just want to, you know, I mean, you got people uh, looking through the fence in green Bay, like yeah, I filming, filming through these little cracks, you know, and, and meanwhile, Patriots practice is like open. Like it's never been before. <laughs> you know? yeah. I, I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. It's odd, man. It, it's, it's, it's really weird, and I will say this: I I don't think this is the going to be the norm uh, moving forward. Like I, I think you know I saw some stuff that people were like, oh well, 
this is, you know, they, this is why they moved it to Hallis Hall and stuff. No, I mean, it, it's, they planned on having fans before this whole COVID thing happened. So I think, you know, it, it, you'll, they'll have fans again when, whenever this COVID thing's done and, and whatever um, at Hallis Hall for training camp. So I don't think it'll be closed, closed uh, for good. I, 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 I'd imagine next year if, if, you know, we get COVID under control and the NFL is allowing fans and stuff full capacity, I think we'll see more um, yeah, more fans in in the uh, at at training camp. Sorry. Well, yeah, we absolutely. just got, we got spoiled at Bourbon A the last couple of years because there was so much content leaking out. Oh and, yeah. Or yeah. we were there. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yep. So. Yep, that's a a great segue to our our last segment of the evening. We're going to take a, a short break to hear from our sponsor Tick Blitz, and when we come back. We're going to talk about, are there going to be fans in the stands? And if there are, where will they be? Uh, we'll be right back after this word from TickSplits.com. I just heard my favorite band is in town. I'd love to get good seats, but everywhere I've looked, the ticket sites have crazy service fees. Haven't you heard of Tick Splits? Who? Tick Splits. They don't gouge you with crazy fees. The price they advertise is the price you pay, plus a small delivery fee. Never pay service fees again. Go to TIXBLITZ.com today. TickSplits.com. Guaranteed seats, low prices. That's TickSplits.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. TickSplits.com, use the promo code TAILGATE, T-A-I-L-G-A-T-E. And when we're finally able to get back to, whether it's a sporting event or a concert or a music festival or Broadway show, get your tickets at TickSplits.com. They never charge service fees, and what you see is always what you pay. We're back with our final segment on the Halitech Hall Show this evening with special guest Zach Pearson from BearReport.com. Zach, um, there's been a few teams that have uh, set out some guidelines for whether or not there's going to be fans in the stands, and um, I, we might as well just start right here in Chicago, where unfortunately, uh, for the foreseeable future, no fans will be allowed in Soldier Field uh, come uh, the regular when the regular season starts. Yeah, and I think that's you know pretty much fully expected by now. And I, I don't think we'll see um, any fans at Soldier Field at all. That's um, I, I, not like any inside information or anything. That's just my best guess. Is I, I think we're looking at a season where we won't see you know no fans in stands at Soldier Field. I do think we'll see some fans at different stadiums maybe some road games for the bears but i'd probably you know um not get my hopes up <laughs> for fans back at soldier field so let's let's go over then the the teams that will have limited uh, fans uh miami is undecided as to how many fans they're going to allow baltimore uh originally said that they were going to have uh, as many as 14,000 fans allowed on game days um they're down now to 7500 uh both cleveland and cincinnati and as well as pittsburgh are all fluid they said they will have fans in the stands but they don't know how many and they don't know when um indianapolis sadly indianapolis plays in chicago um they're going to allow a 25 percent capacity 
Uh, Jacksonville is also at a 25% capacity. Uh, Denver plans to have some fans in the stands, but they've, they've yet to determine exactly how many. Kansas City thinks that they're going to have 16,000 fans in the stands. Uh, the Cowboys have said, yes, they're going to have fans, but they don't know how much. Uh, and then and then Detroit, Minnesota, uh, Carolina, Tampa, Arizona, the 49ers in Seattle all are saying to be determined. Uh, so there doesn't look like there's a lot of hope for uh, for any uh, any bear fans to, to see a game live this year. Uh, all the New York teams and uh, at least so far, Buffalo, the Jets and the Giants are all saying there will be no fans in the stands, at least until further notice. Uh, New England has said that they are not going to have any fans in the stands, at least through the month of September. Uh, Houston says no fans for game one to be determined thereafter. Uh, same thing with Tennessee. The Raiders have already gone on record as saying there will be no fans in Las Vegas at all for the entire year. Uh, Philadelphia is no fans until further notice. Uh, Washington, uh, they're not going to have any fans all season. Um, Packers have announced that their first two games will have no fans, and then they're going to reevaluate uh, because they play a lot of road games early on in the season. They're, uh, after they eliminate their first two home games, they don't play again until November up in Green Bay. Uh, Atlanta has said no games in September. Uh, the Saints have said no games, uh, no, no fans in the stands in the first game, but uh, it's yet to be determined uh, after that. And the Rams and Chargers, which I found kind of interesting in that uh, the governor has been uh, very loudly endorsing no fans at no stands, are planning on having uh, 15,000 people in attendance for their games. So uh, anything anything you guys want to add to that? It seems like uh, aside from a couple of places like Washington and in Las Vegas where they've said absolutely no fans all year, everybody is taking a, a wait-and-see approach. Yeah, I mean, I just think – you know, anybody that's saying they're going to have fans is just kind of wishful thinking at this point. Um, so I think they're going to, you know, obviously I think they're they're considering the situation and, and whatnot. They're going to weigh the options. They're going to try to go forward. I mean, there's obviously a lot of logistics that go into it um, if you are going to have fans. So you if you are thinking you might, you, you have to get the ball rolling. I'm sure there's people that have to get tested and – you know, employees that have to, you know, I mean, I think a lot of the, if, if the teams all could, they'd love to just be able to open their luxury boxes at least. Cause I know that you would get people that would be, that would come for those, you know, um, and, and, you know, you would have those full in all the stadiums and then maybe you could have a, you know, one other section or, you know, two other sections, but I mean, who knows? I, I do feel good. I feel like football is going to happen, but that seems to be 
you know, wishful thinking to think that any fans would be in the stands. They did say that they're going to allow uh, crowd noise to be piped into the stadiums um, just now. Uh, that was announced today. So I, I kind of assumed that was going to happen anyway. So it was weird that they sort of announced that it was just decided um, because I assumed that they were going to need it to mask, you know, some of the on-field sounds and uh, phrases that might get uttered. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how, how that works out. It's worked out pretty good, I think, for baseball. Um, I mean, I got to say overall, you know, lately I've been watching uh, baseball and hockey more than anything. I haven't really watched much of the basketball. Um, a little more than the, none of the playoffs have actually started. But, the, I mean, they've done a good job with the product, you know. So I'm not worried about the NFL, the game, um, the game being a good product. I think they're going to do a good job. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if, if any of these teams, you know, do increase their capacity for fans uh, as the year goes on. And the ones that aren't having fans right now, if they do open it up a little more, it's it's going to be interesting. It's definitely going to be a storyline to watch. I think um, I think you said Kansas City's planning on having fans at that first game, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, uh, they're planning on having a ca- capacity of, 16,000 uh, per game. Okay, yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll have to see how that goes. I mean, uh, I guess we'll know in the coming weeks if it worked out for them. But, yeah, I have to imagine there's going to be measures taken, and, and it's just, you know, maybe it's not easy. I, I don't know. It's, it's a very interesting storyline. Absolutely. So uh, more to come. It's going to be a fluid situation right up through the not only opening day, but every probably every week. Uh, hopefully the uh, the curve flattens and fans will be allowed in the stands. Hey Zach, before we leave, um, you'll, when when the guys first reported to camp, uh, it was the, the single most important thing that that I was seeing is. Uh, how all these guys, despite the fact that they were not allowed in, in, in house hall at all, but they all came to camp ready to go, and no more so than than David Montgomery. You know, David Montgomery last year when he reported to to training camp, he weighed 223 pounds but had 12% body fat. This year when he reported, he was only one pound lighter at 222, but only 8% body fat, which means a lot more muscular build than he was last year. And, you know, and he was one of the leaders in yards after contact and, and breaking tackles last year. So with an improved line play, uh, I'm really excited about the future of one David Montgomery. Yeah, and he's been working a lot on his footwork and, and quickness. You know, I think a problem for him last year was, you know, picking the right running lane to get into and how fast and quick he could get into that running lane. He kind of struggled but got better as the year went on. Uh, I mean, just watch the videos in the offseason. He's been training his butt off, and, and he looks cut. He looks pretty, you know, muscular and, and in shape. And, that I mean, that's just that's hard work. Those These guys didn't have, you know, Hallis Hall to go to to work out. So, a lot of them did it on their own, and you got to give them credit for getting out there, you know, during this quarantine and, and finding ways to work out. One of the things that Aaron said just a moment ago was, uh, you know, 
all signs point to at least uh, a football season starting. And I think that the um, issues that we saw with the Cleveland pitcher, two Cleveland pitchers in Chicago, ignoring rules and going out in Chicago for pizza. Uh, and they basically said, you know, guys, you're off the team for, for a week. Go, go do what you got to do. And St. Louis Cardinals going to uh, casinos, I believe they were in Philadelphia. And the, and, the, and the guys that went out and ignored the rules down in Miami that caused just a ton of games being suspended, I think that caught the attention of, of every single uh, management and coaching staff in the league and really got the message across to their players from from the veterans on down to the undrafted rookie free agents, and they're all taking this serious, which is a good thing because without that being taken serious, you got 80 guys, and if one guy ends up with the you know testing positive, that could throw a huge, uh, just just an absolute bombshell to the league starting on time, if at all. Well, I mean, you see, only we only have access to the the Bears and the Rams and the Chargers because they're doing the L.A. Hard Knocks. So, but it's been interesting to see the parallels between them. And I, one thing I was thinking about is that football is probably unique to maybe hockey. I would say football and hockey are the sports that have, I feel like, the teams that sort of galvanize the best. You know, there's a ton of peer pressure on a football team. There's a ton of peer pressure on hockey teams, you know, and there's a lot less kind of individuals, you know, that sort of stick out in both of those sports. And obviously in basketball, that's the most individualistic sport and baseball somewhere in between. So I think football is uniquely equipped because you hear um, coach, you know, at, uh, the Chargers coach, uh, Anthony What's his last name? I can't think of his last name. And then you hear uh, Lynn, Anthony Lynn. Lynn. Yeah, Anthony Lynn. You hear Sean McVay and you hear Nagy. They're all preaching the same things. This is our first opponent. Our first opponent is COVID-19. We need to beat this before we even get the chance to beat, you know, the team that we have to face. And the same thing I think they they preached during the offseason was you guys have to beat this challenge of the off season to get to the point, you know, where they need to be. And, and I think with that type of thing with football, it works because these guys are used to this, you know, here's, here's the enemy, go, go beat the enemy. And, and I think that's where they're all at right now is, you know, this is, this is job one and so far so good. You know, what, what happens when, you know, we, we get, further into the season. I don't know what happens when there's a losing streak and guys maybe lose their focus a little bit. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but so far so good. And I think the bears are definitely taking it as a challenge, you know, to be the best team because ultimately the team that deals with this, the best, as I think many of all these coaches have said is the one that's going to be left standing and injuries are always a huge factor, but then you factor this in, and, uh, you know, it's it's going to be a huge deal. I mean, whoever has their players <laughs> the longest is going to win this year. Well, it, it'll definitely be a long, cold, lonely winter in Green Bay if they start losing a, 
a few games and they don't have any fans in their stands. So mm-hmm. we can we can we can definitely hope for a Green Bay losing streak to start the season. So uh, with that, that con- concludes our Halitech Hall show for this week. I want to thank my co-host, as always, in, and producer Aaron Torricelli, our special guest from BearReport.com, Zach Pearson. This is Mike Halitech saying enjoy your week, and we'll be back next week with more information about training camp, and we'll be just about two weeks from the, the beginning of the season. Aaron, sign us off. Thanks, everybody. Thanks so much. Thanks, Zach Pearson. Uh, go follow him on Twitter. Uh, he's got updates as they happen, um, you know, as he's allowed to uh, release them. Um, <laughs> and uh, he's also got bearreport.com where you can follow uh, all the goings on of the Bears and, um, you know, directly from camp. Uh, so make sure you follow him. And we always appreciate him going on the sh- coming on the show and giving us the uh first-hand information um and you know he's a great follow on twitter like i said and he will uh answer your questions uh as well so we appreciate that we appreciate him um and thanks everybody for listening please uh rate and subscribe uh to the show it does help us if you give us a little rating give us a little review um and uh, we appreciate all the listeners and the support have a great week everybody